I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak this morning in uh, Jim and Tommy's absence, and I certainly hope that we can encourage one another in looking at a message from God's Word. You know, we look at the world today and the moral decay that is surrounding us in the world, that in-your-face moral decay that we face, and we think about the Christian home and the family that we should be concentrating on as Christians. We think about of all the negative influences that influence our children, our spouses, our friends, our mothers and fathers. And the only way to overcome those is to strengthen one another by looking at God's Word to see what He expects in the Christian home, in the Christian family. This morning I want to look at the duties of parents especially the Christian parent, and what their duties are to their children. But first, let's recognize that there are other responsibilities that men and women face as well. Marriage as a sacred institution joins together a man and a woman. Now note that this sacred institution is not only between the man and the woman, but is a covenant relationship between that man and that woman with God being the center. Therefore, that covenant is more than what man's law may say. We look at the moral decay in the world today and we see divorces prevalent in our world. And most times we see today that those are not good reasons to be divorced. Certainly the Bible says that there are reasons that one can be divorced and that that guilty party may not remarry, but the innocent party may. Because that covenant was broken between that man and woman and God. As a husband and wife in holy matrimony, they have responsibilities to one another. They have responsibilities that they use their God-given duties to one another. The responsibility of the husband who is commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Now, I can't think of any better love than that. Because Christ loved the church enough to die on the cross to save us all from our sins. So that is a love that a husband is to have for his wife. So we as husbands have an awesome responsibility to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We are to respect our wives, to hold them in high esteem, to to praise them for the good that they do. And we are to support our wives, both physically and and spiritually in the things that we do in our lives. And wives, certainly they have responsibilities to their husbands too. As we see in God's Word, wives are commanded to submit to their husbands, to love their husbands, and to manage the home. What an awesome responsibility. I've said it before and certainly I'll say it many more times in my life. I don't know how mothers do it. It is an awesome responsibility that they have. So we can see in the scripture then God's purpose for marriage. For a husband and wife to help one another in their physical needs, but also mainly in their spiritual needs, so that one day we can receive that home in heaven. God gave us that helpmate as men. And women certainly depend upon their husbands to be a good example to them as well as the wives to the husband. 
But then God's purpose for marriage is to create families in which children have the benefit of parents that are believing parents, that are good husbands and good wives, that strive to be good parents. You know, when we have children, and all of you can relate to this who have children, they don't come with an owner's manual, do they? And every child is different. They all have their different personalities, their different quirks, just like you and I as adults have our different personalities and our different quirks. But yet, we are to love them. We are to nurture them. We are to admonish them as parents to our children. For this to occur, parents must fulfill their duties as parents. First, let's look at the duties of the father in a Christian home. The duties of father in a Christian home are, one, to provide life's necessities. If you look at what a parent is to provide for their children, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14, you'll note that it is the responsibility for the, the parents to lay up for the children, not for the children to lay by in store for the parents. So we have a responsibility in those necessities. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, a man who fails to do so for his children is worse than an infidel. The Bible tells us if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. And certainly we have a responsibility as fathers to our family to provide those physical necessities to our family. Sometimes that might mean working shift work, which I hate to do. Sometimes that might mean working more than one job and being gone away from your family more than you want to be. Sometimes that, that means that we have to miss worship services with our brothers and sisters in Christ, of which we miss dreadfully when we can't attend. But yet, that is our responsibility as a father to provide the physical necessities and needs of our family. Number two, father's responsibility is not to provoke our children to wrath. This admonition is found twice in Scripture. Once in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 and the other in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We as fathers should not be unreasonable with our commands by needless severity and by manifestation of anger, as Barnes notes notes there. Lest by our continually finding fault with our children, they should lose all courage and despair of ever pleasing us. Certainly we can show an example of how our children can be pleasing to us by the example that we give them in our lives of how we're pleasing to our father, specifically our spiritual father. We as fathers have an awesome responsibility to provide the spiritual needs of our children as well. So thirdly, the father is to provide spiritual training to our father. Notice as we noted above in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, in the training, or as the English Standard Version says, discipline, and the admonition, or the English Standard Version says, instruction of the Lord. 
Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. So we're to give discipline and instruction to our children. Now, is it always easy to take discipline? Is it always easy to take instruction? It isn't, is it? Much easier to give instruction than to take instruction. It's much easier to give discipline than to take discipline. But yet we as fathers need to look to God and His Word for the discipline and instruction that we need and bringing our children up in the proper spiritual environment. Training by way of instruction. Turn, if you will, to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. We're going to note a few verses in Deuteronomy and some in Psalms about training by way of instruction that I think are very important for the Father. Deuteronomy chapter 6 beginning in verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now notice also in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 40. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 46. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of the law. (coughs) What's the first thing we as fathers have to do? We have to put the word of God where? In our heart, in our mind. We have to live the Word of God as a father. And in living the Word of God as a father, we can be proper instruction for our children to live that Word as well. Also in Psalms chapter 78, verses 4 through 6, going along the same lines of instruction of the father to our children spiritually. Note, Again, the Word must first be in the Father's heart. If the Word is never in the Father's heart, then it's impossible for us to get that Word in the heart of our children. Then the Father can lead His family like Joshua led His family. As we note in that famous verse in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a choice that a father must make. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You remember when you were a child, uh, you wanted to do things your way, and uh, you would say, well, when, when I move out, I'm going to do this. And, and parents would say, well, that's just fine and dandy, but you're not doing it living under my roof. Well, they were giving a, an example there that they were still training us. They were still instructing us. And let me tell you, when you get out of home and you have children of your own, you still get instruction from your parents and grandparents. Right? You still get instruction. I'm looking at my my memo over there. I still get instruction because I need it. We always need it. Our responsibilities as fathers and as mothers and as grandparents don't stop when our children get out on their own, do they? 
Because we still have the wisdom and knowledge to share for them. We want them to have something better than us. We want them to have an even better spiritual relationship with God than what we have. So that is an ultimate responsibility of the Father. I found some interesting statistics. And I don't know if they're still true today, but they were, they were true when I, when I looked them up. And it says this... Training by way of example, consider the following. When the father is the active believer in a Christian family, there is about a 75% chance, likelihood, that the children will also become active believers. Now this was an interesting statistic as well. But if only the mother, if only the mother, so the other was the father and the mother, okay, If only the mother is the active believer, this likelihood dramatically is reduced to 15%. Now, I'm sure that's not true across the board. But certainly it is an interesting statistic to consider. Now, I've known lots of Christian women who never had a believing husband that had believing children. So I think maybe that that percentage is much higher than that. Lastly, Fathers are to provide loving discipline to their children. We're not to discipline them to wrath, but to love our children. Even our Heavenly Father disciplines His children. We note in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 10, He scourges us. Well, scourging is a pretty, pretty brutal uh, uh, punishment for someone. But the Lord scourges us. You know, as we, came, we became a, a parent, as we, became, um, if we, as we had children and we were a parent and we realized all the different challenges that would face us, sometimes we get very angry at our children, don't we? And we go back to that saying, we know now why animals eat their young. <laughs> it's true sometimes. I know why animals eat their young. It is very discouraging when they're not doing like they're supposed to do. When they're not taking instruction that you have told them hundreds, seems like thousands of times to do. But yet, we love our children. The best thing to do in that situation, if we feel like we're going to eat our young, is to go in the other room, right? To have a cool off time. As, uh, as uh, one of the uh, shows the kids used to watch, Count to Ten and go somewhere else and concentrate and form the words that we are going to use for the discipline of our children. Even though sometimes, and most of the time, every time that I have to discipline my children, it's an unpleasant situation for them, but it's certainly an unpleasant situation for me as a father. But the Bible tells us, In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, which I want to quote from, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him whenever he gets around to it. No, that's not what the scripture says, is it? He who loves him disciplines him promptly. 
So when we see our children doing wrong, we are to discipline them promptly in love. To sit them down and say, you can't do this and this is why. This is unpleasing to God when you do these things. It's unpleasing to your parent when you do these things. These things will keep you out of trouble if you do what I tell you to do. That's the proper example that the father is to have for his children. So from the duties of fathers, let's now move on to the duties and responsibility of mothers. The duties of mothers are, is this. They are to love their children. As noted in Titus chapter 2 in verse 4, as older women are were to admonish the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. Certainly, I'll never understand the love that a mother has for her children, for it is a mighty thing. But sin can lead to the lack of proper affection with the mother. Romans chapter 1 and verse 31. Unfortunately, there are a lot of uh, psychological problems in the world today and certainly in the United States as well. And we see very sad things happen sometimes. We see that nationally and tragically more than 200 women kill their children in the United States each year. But yet we are supposed to be a moral and God-fearing nation. Where do we go wrong when that happens? Where did someone go wrong in their relationship with that lady and helping her through the trials and tribulations of life? I wanted to note here... um, that I thought this might be uh, good for Janice to know and pass on to Courtney. Uh, I look at the statistics of how many times people look at uh, the sermons and things that we upload on our, on our podcast. And would you believe that that lesson that Courtney did during the ladies' day, marrying the master, had 273 listens? So there are women out there and mothers out there who are striving to mirror the Master. Is that not encouraging to you? That is very encouraging to me. That's more people than were present here that day during the ladies' day. 273 people listened to that lesson. A mother, secondly, is to manage their household. A primary responsibility of the wife and mother as noted in Titus Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. They are to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good and obedient to their husbands. Those are responsibilities of mothers. An important quality of the virtuous woman is seen in Proverbs chapter 13, I mean chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. The virtuous woman was all of those things. I want to quote from um, Richard Kerr, Kerr quoted in Homemade in February 1989. He had this to say. The most creative job in the world involves fashion, decorating, recreation, education, transportation, psychology, romance, cuisine, literature, art, economics, government, pediatrics, geriatrics, entertainment, maintenance, purchasing, law, religion, energy, and management. Anyone who can handle all of those has to be somebody special. And she is. She is 
the mother. Amen? What awesome responsibilities a mother has. Thirdly, a mother is to provide spiritual training to their children, just as the father is to provide to his children. Especially when male leadership is lacking in the home, which sadly it is so many times today. As seen in the case of Timothy, and his mother was a Jew and his father a Greek, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, and perhaps contributing to Timothy not being circumcised, as we see there in Acts chapter 16 and verse 3. But Timothy had become a disciple and was well spoken of in Scripture. His faith was positively influenced by his grandmother and his mother. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Positively influenced by his mother and grandmother. Too often fathers neglect spiritual training, leaving all of those responsibilities with the mother to pick up the slack. And most of the time mothers are wonderful at that. They're wonderful in providing the spiritual environment and nurturing to their children. Blessed are the homes in which fathers fulfill their duties as the Christian man. Blessed are the homes in which the mothers fulfill their duties as a Christian woman. No no home is perfect. And as fathers and mothers will often fall short, but with the glory and grace of God and the mercy of God, we should strive as mothers and fathers to do our very best in all that we do in relationship to our children. Let us give our children the guidance that they may succeed where we failed. Let us give the guidance so that they can do the things right the first time that we failed to do many times. Let us as parents have the ultimate responsibility with us to make sure that the church of the future, our children, that we instill the Word of God in their hearts and in their minds so that they will grow old and not forget those things, so that they may instill those things, those spiritual things, in their children and their grandchildren one day. What awesome responsibilities we have as parents. We as parents are to supply our, our children's physical needs and their spiritual needs. What do we do when our child is physically ill? We take care of them. We nurture them. We give them chicken broth to drink. We take them to the doctor. We take them to the hospital. We provide the surgeries that they need. All of those physical needs. Because if we don't provide those things, ultimately what happens to our child? (coughs) What can happen? They may die a physical death. Now how much more important than it is for us to provide for their spiritual growth and their spiritual well-being, because that spiritual death can take place as well if we don't show our children the admonition and instruction and discipline of a good parent as a parent under the Lord. Finally, some food for thought. There are seven ways to impact your child's faith. 
Number one, model a growing and personal faith. If they don't see it, they won't catch it. We need to be a model of how someone should be spiritually so that our children can fall suit. We should include faith in normal conversations with our children. We should be well-rounded and don't compartmentalize our faith, meaning some parents, unfortunately, the only time that they're a Christian is when they're in the doors of the church building. That's not how we're to be as a parent. We are to show our faith to our children every day of their lives and to show our faith to our spouses and to those in whom we come in contact with. Be authentic. Be real, not a fake. You know, oftentimes I hear uh, people say, well, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, you're right. But those hypocrites know they need to be in church to learn not to be a hypocrite. Are we not all, according to God's Word, sinners? That's why we're here today, folks. We're here today because we know we are sinners, but we want to do better. We want to do better for us. We want to do better for our spouses. We want to do better for our children and our children's children. That's why we come to worship God and to grow in our faith. Serve together with your children. Show them by example that serving the Lord's church is a good thing and something positive to do. Whether it be cutting the grass or cleaning the building or taking care of the sound equipment or whatever we do. Visiting the sick. Visiting those in the hospital. Visiting shut-ins. Sending cards. Whatever we do, make your children part of that. Encourage them to do those spiritual things that are necessary in the lives of so many. Serve together with your children. Pray for your children and with them by example. And lastly, learn and communicate love in their language, in their way. We have to sit down and explain to our children things that sometimes are difficult for them to understand. We have to use their language in words that they understand so that they will be able to grasp those things that we're trying to teach them. So we see then from this morning's lesson... And looking at God's word for the example that we are to be as fathers and mothers, that we have an awesome responsibility. Certainly, we want those who have never obeyed Christ to do so. So that your ultimate responsibility spiritually to yourself for one day for you to receive that home in heaven. The Bible tells us that we must hear the word of God for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. We must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God for if you do not believe you'll die in your sins. John chapter 8 and verse 24. We must repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose, have that change of mind. For the book of Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 says, For the time of ignorance God overlooked but now commands every man everywhere to repent, to have that change of mind. We must confess with our mouth before man that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. And we must be baptized 
for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. What is baptism? It is a burial. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. What is baptism? It is a birth. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And the Bible tells us there must be lots of water. For baptism is an immersion, a burial in water. Acts chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39. With the Ethiopian eunuch, there was lots of water. They both went down into the water. And we as Christians are to remain faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. How are you and your responsibilities as a Christian? If you haven't obeyed the gospel plan of salvation that we just talked about, certainly there is a responsibility for you to do so. If you have obeyed and have fallen short of the things that you should do as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, whatever that responsibility is in your life, we want you to make that right publicly if it's a public sin or ask for the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ so that we may encourage you in living your life as a Christian. As together we stand and as we sing.